right now on Higher Journeys Radio with Alexis Brooks. Miguel Mendoza is not just an author. He is an explorer, an adventurer, determined to make sense out of the schism and potential of humanity. Not afraid to delve deep beneath the surface of reality, he continues on this quest with his latest volume in a trilogy of revelation entitled Being with the Beings, the How and Why of ET Contact. Today, I wanted to discuss Miguel's personal journey and the philosophy that continues to shape up for him based largely on the material you will find in his books, that being the multitude of experiencers he's interviewed extensively about their own journey of contact. Miguel, first off, I want to thank you kindly for accepting this very last-minute invite to come on the show. And though I hadn't planned on having you back on for another month or so, as you and I well know, there are no accidents, only synchronicity. So I feel it's completely fitting that you are on this show right now and not a minute later. You know, when I asked you yesterday to come on the show, I quickly but eagerly got to read just a little from your newest book, Being With The Beings. And I have to say, I was immediately drawn in. But not having read the entire book, which is once again comprised of in-depth interviews with, I believe, nine individuals who feel they've had extensive ET contact, I really identified with some of what you had to say in your reflections about these individuals, their experiences, and how they have affected your life, how the process of writing this book, and even how it came to you to write this book, which I hope we get to talk about, has taken you down the proverbial rabbit hole of awakening. And that's what I want to focus on today, your thoughts, your purview, and your plea to others to make room to grow from what we call the contact experience. So Miguel, once again, welcome, my friend. It's great to have you back on. Always a pleasure, Alexis. Happy to be here. Great. And thanks again for the very last minute. Listen, as always, your writing is so lucid, so intimate, and so honest. You have what I would call a very quotable style to your work. I love quoting you. And so today, what I thought I would do is take some very powerful thoughts that you convey in this book, Being with the Beings. I want to quote you word for word, and I want to use those quotes as a jumping off point for a number of key areas to explore. Is that fair enough? Sounds great. Okay, so let's get started. This is great. Okay, so let's start with this quote. I want to I want to dive right into to something that's pretty heavy. Uh, at the very beginning of the book, I believe this is in the introduction, you say, and, and this is sort of an assessment or epiphany that you had about the reality of disclosure and where it needs to come from. You say, quote, I no longer identified with the need to drag the authorities kicking and screaming into a place of truth. It dawned on me that they are going to have to focus almost entirely on the aspects of the subject related to power and profit. We're talking about contact and disclosure, obviously. Their business is only to expand their personal and institutional power and wealth. So the spiritually transformative aspects of this subject would have little to no relevance for them. Let's dive right in with that statement, Miguel. It's looking like, uh, it's I should say, it's like looking for love <laughs> in all the wrong places. Are we looking for disclosure in all the wrong places, you think? 
that is certainly my sense as of right now. If you ask me tomorrow, um, I hope that my understanding will have moved on because the honest answer is that that is our process, isn't it? I mean, um, for wherever we are today or wherever we are tomorrow, in a week's time, everything is flux. Everything has changed. So we are going to be different. The information is going to be different. And I think we need to be open um, I was having a long conversation with a friend about this today, about the need to remain in a state of kind of humility and openness in the world, in our inquiry, because when things solidify too much, that's when we get the kind of problems that we hear pouring out of the radio right now. I mean, you know, this world is in a pretty pitiful state, and I think a lot of that is too much certainty it is too much belief. Hmm. And uh, so my sense is that we, we, have to be, uh, we have to be a little softer in our beliefs because to be able to share them and explore them, you can't make progress if one person is simply saying my reality is the real reality. Like hmm. I found it. Everybody come over here. I've got it. If you want to know how it really is, take a pew. I will set it out for you. Um, that's that's crazy, but that is how m- most people seem to live, and I think that the media encourages that type of uh, thinking. Frankly, I think our whole culture is this colossal system for trying to uh, set out a certain belief system for as many people as possible and and that comes from all of our key institutions and so all of those people are super interested in as i as i suggest uh expanding their personal and institutional power and wealth i mean that is the game that is the game Hmm. and and in our subject i mean you're one of the people that really open my eyes to the the bottom-up work to going directly to experiences you were very clear about that when we first met in our discussions when i interviewed you for we are the disclosure and i've basically taken that and run with it and what i hear from people more and more is a kind of (sighs) How would I put it? There is a truth, I believe, in this subject that, as I suggest in the introduction, is fundamentally incompatible with the system. It is about the personal transformation Mm -hmm. that occurs through this. It is about not just understanding who we are, but the relationship between our consciousness and every other form of consciousness that exists. Mm. It is about understanding that we are, in essence, almost like a single nerve ending on the, the body of creation. All of us are experiencing all kinds of things uniquely and we are 
in a sense, adding that to the total experience because everything affects everything, right? Mm -hmm. It is one big network of cause and effect. Now, people have their own sort of ideas on why it is thus. Is there a purpose in all of this? But the question was, um, what is the relationship between that and top-down disclosure? And those things are worlds apart. It, it, it just is not the same thing because one is fundamentally concerned with the material. The other, to me, is fundamentally concerned with the metaphysical, with the spiritual, with as- questions of consciousness, questions of oneness and connection, love, enlightenment, all of these things. And so the idea that uh, some official from the White House or NASA, I guess NASA is your kind of in-between sort of point, um, but the idea that government officials are going to tell us what this reality is, this is a very dangerous idea to me Mm. because it is going to in my estimation, at least as of today, it is going to miss the point completely. They are never going to give us a spiritually liberating narrative. That is not their job. Their entire job, I believe, is to keep people in a state of fear and dependency. The way that power works is that you can only hold power if it is not being challenged. Right. This is one way to look at it. And divide and conquer. I did history in my degree. I majored in geography, minored in history. And I saw this play out down the millennia that this, this is basically how it works, that you'll have the manipulators, you'll have those people in a society that are just switched off, just switched on enough to recognize how manipulable people are in general and that they can basically be manipulated in terms of fear or desire. And just about every signal we get in our culture is trying to push one of those buttons. Mm. So those people, those manipulators, uh, set themselves up um, in these kinds of situations where they are trying to establish a narrative in the minds of as many people as possible so that those people will basically work for them. This is, this is the way that I see it. This is the way I've been shown it. And, uh, the, and so these two narratives clearly have very little to do with one another. And in fact, when you, as an experiencer or as a spiritually open person, you don't have to, call it et people have only come to call it that in very recent times that's right that's so right. most of the contact people have experienced is with the spirit world the angelic realm the elementals the fairy realm all of those various types of uh entities that have communicated with humans and this this goes deep into the mythology of every culture there is. I mean, 
I can't think of a single culture that has no element of the spirit realm in it. Right. Whether it's nature spirits, animal spirits, elemental spirits, whether it's the weather, spirits of the weather. I mean, uh, if you look at the the pantheons of, let's say, the Greeks, the Romans, um, uh, India, uh, the Egyptians. I mean, there are gods upon gods upon gods, and there are so many roles that they play. I mean, the, these are the kinds of things that start to come up increasingly when you talk to people about their contact experiences, that there are people I think are seeing the the overlaps. I mean, one of the beings that I interviewed through Rob Gothier, the channel in the book, uh, is being by the name of Aradif. And Aradif is a blue-skinned being. And uh, Rob has developed the understanding that Aradif and his people have been connected with this planet for a very long time. And if you look at gods from a number of cultures, particularly um, uh, the Indian uh, culture, you can see blue-skinned gods, mm-hmm. blue-skinned deities. So all of this basically peels back a whole bunch of layers in our culture. And everybody has, like I would say, different interpretations of the role the roles of those entities and they seem to have very different i mean i've been watching american gods recently um the adaptation of the neil gaiman novel which goes into all of this is sort of looking at the roles of deities in our culture and what happens when they're forgotten mm-hmm. what happens when new gods new deities uh, replace them and and i believe it was carl jung who was talking about this and I think, I think a number of people um, have raised this in the past that, uh, in a sense, that this is a new formulation of old, uh, let's say, mythologies or histories or metaphysical narratives in human culture. Wow. There's a lot there. You still there? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I heard a little click. I didn't know what you had oh, said. What gasping. said your piece and hung up? <laughs> I was gasping for a drink. Yeah. Okay. Like well, that's great. That's great. Well, a lot was in there, Miguel. But going back to the one statement, really, what we're talking about is juxtaposing a very mechanical, controlled, if at all, disclosure. If, and I have to stress, if from the top, which frankly, do we even need to be looking for that? I, I, I think I know what your answer is. Or uh, one that is spiritually rooted, that is uh, uh, replete in our in indigenous history and in our modern history and in the now. And there's no way that's like mixing oil and water. These are two different motivations. And again, the, the, the latter or the former if there was to be some sort of an authoritative disclosure, which, by the way, I, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Are people that are really, really interested in seeing an ultimate, uh, maybe that's not even the right word, disclosure, but a, a, a knowing that we are uh, in mixed company, uh, 
do they even want it to come from from quote unquote authorities? I mean, this is going to take us down a whole nother rabbit hole, which uh, we could go partially fur- further down in terms of um, what what we're what we're talking about here, because we're also talking about social uh, social engineering. You you touched on how the the public is so easily manipulated, which I absolutely agree. There of course are exceptions to that. Uh, but historically, I think uh, we all know that there, if there's one thing they, I call them the proverbial they, know, and that is human psychology, and thus they know how to make it uh, and bend it in the way that they want and have done so quite successfully. But now we see, I'm going to say, as we as we uh, transition, this new emergence or or renewed emergence of the human who is the experiencer that is just not having that. Thank goodness, not having that. And really in a camp that is trying, like yourself, that is trying to show. And again, I do not like to, these words that we use, you touched on this, ET, where where did that come from? I think it's anything but that. I call it non-human intelligence or partially human intelligence. Disclosure, all of these buzzwords are designed, I feel, to uh, keep individuals in a myopic sort of view, in a, in a very narrow belief system. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of distill what you were saying, um, and, I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, again, I, I'm hoping that we can go a full hour, because this was a last minute kind of a, a show. Uh, I don't know that we can do the full hour, but I'm going to try. But in, in the event that we can't, uh, I want to kind of quickly go through some uh, some things that you said and quote you more um, from this book having to do with your own awakening. This is the next thing I want to get to, Miguel. Let's talk about your own awakening. Yet another word that I don't really like, but we'll use it for the sake of argument. Spiritual awakening. This is another quote from your book. Um, You say, quote, I knew at the outset, I knew at the outset that this project, this book project, would trigger more contact experiences of my own. And sure enough, things have been getting extremely interesting around here of late, end quote. How so? Where do I begin? Um, <laughs> you got two minutes. No, I'm kidding. Go. <laughs> Take um, your time on this one. Gosh, there's there are so many. Um, well, I mean, let's start with the way the project came in. I've talked about this in uh, in in other interviews, so I'll just distill it down. Mm-hmm. Um, it the project, as I've described in the introduction, came in as a download. Um, I won't rehash the circumstances, but I was lucid. I was just taking a rest. Um, I'd, I never sleep in the day. It's almost impossible for me to sleep at night. It's a whole thing. So I know I wasn't asleep. I, I was tired, but I was not, um, passing out. I was not dreaming. Um, within 60 seconds, of stretching out on the couch, I suddenly got the title Being with the Beings. And I thought, well, what's this? And then I get an outline, a book about um, people who have had long ongoing contact with the beings. Then there was like this, it's like a data readout, this whole thing. Then there's a list of uh, participants. There was uh, Lisa Royal Holt was the first person. And I'd heard of her, but I didn't, um, and I even had one of her books, but I hadn't read it. Um, but this, she, hers was the first name on the list. And then four of the hybrids that I'd worked with before, 
these are all people who have had long ongoing contact with the beings. Then there was a list of questions. Um, and somewhere I still have the original notes for all this. Um, and the final question was, what message would they like to share? And so the idea is that only people who can bring through messages would be in this book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a whole thing. So with the channels, obviously you can go, you can get it pretty much from the horse's mouth. You can get that answer from the beings themselves um, through the channel. And that's what we did. Um, we did a like a, a regular type of interview and then in a second session um, with each of the three channels. I mean, I think everybody in the book is a channel. I think everybody is a channel, frankly, mm. but it's just it, it takes very different forms. And some of it is very formalized, let's say. Um, and uh, and then with the other six, um, they they could bring through messages in all kinds of different ways. And some of it was light language. Um, so I've put in those images that where it's light language script that has come through from people. Um, and there's, there's a mix. And then with Rob Fullington, um, who's just always gold. Right. Um, and of course, we've had Rob on the on the show. That was our first yeah, interview. So he, many he of you. He's a legend. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, he has this like telepathic back and forth between one of the himself and an intelligence, whatever one wants to call that which sort of rounds out his um his chapter so yeah like i said i i had this this thought just went through my mind uh right at the beginning when i sat down and i had all these people on board i'm like okay this is a go this is happening Hmm. um no choice (laughs) right i mean it's i mean i recognize it coming in as a download i knew enough by that point to recognize that that i was not thinking of anything related Mm -hmm. that's not where i was at but suddenly boom 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 these four elements come through one after another and faster than i had the time to think it up Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean i see the title i'm like well what's that yeah i see an outline i'm like well what's that it's it just that's not really the way the mind works right. in my experience. Yeah. Um, so would, let so, me ask. So let me ask you this: Would you say that that in and of itself, Miguel, was a contact experience? If you could, you know, take it down yeah, to the. I mean, I would say that obviously there are multiple. There are going to be as many interpretations of that experience as there are people listening mm. to the experience itself. But my sense of it is that that was not Miguel. It does not mean that that was not an aspect of my soul, if you want to call it that. Um, We get into this a lot in the book, this question of multidimensionality. The fact that we are, we may be embodied, but this is not the totality of us that we are a much larger entity, but it can, it has all of these multiple uh, components which can um, uh, become embodied at the same time in multiple bodies. It means that, I mean, 
I'll say this, three people um, during the course of this book, I believe, were visited by beings who told them about me they they two of them it was word for word these these women do not know each other i've never introduced mm. them they were told word for word the same thing that uh you've been wondering about your connection with miguel um and then they went into an explanation of the fact that uh and these were different types of entities um and one of them um, I forget the description of one of them, but the other was pretty um, vivid. It was like this sort of <laughs> a pink octopus type entity. Um, <laughs> and it's weird because I had had this from out of nowhere, this whole thing about octopi. I, I just I was seeing them everywhere. I started collecting images of them and even this beautiful sculpture of one. And then I get this story, and it's like, wait a minute. Oh, wow. Uh, what, the, what? What? What the heck is going on here? <laughs> what? Um, yeah. And both of them were told that they work with me, um, that myself and this, each of these ladies, we work together in these forms, and I think both of them said that uh, I do genetic work. That you do genetic work? Yeah. In on in this other form, uh -huh. in this other realm, and be, these are different realms. And then somebody else um, was visited um, by a being that said I was um, held a quite a senior position in the Galactic Federation, and um, I mean, th and things that if I were to talk about it would sound so crazy that there's a limit to what I'm willing to share because mm. for a lot of people, it just shuts them off. Right. But they just, they, they can't quite cope with. Yeah. Well, it's a lot for you to cope with, is it not? I mean, some of these things are, I, no matter how open we are, Miguel, and you're, you're, you're listening to two open-minded people, folks. Uh, mm. <laughs> some right. of it is just, it, it appears at least from our human perspective, way over the top. And yet, all things are possible. So this is uh, this is really quite quite something. Well, I mean, uh, if you think about it, I've interviewed thirty seven people and mm -hmm. connected with dozens more over the last two years of this very intensive phase, and hmm. I, I've kind of heard it all. Yeah. You know, I've I've just done this for a living for two straight years and produced literally two kilos of research i put it on the scale um <laughs> there's a lot of information there there's a lot of experience that has gone along with all of this mm -hmm. and you get to a point where you realize well i know nothing i mean i really know enough to know how little well, I, I know i know i can say right? it constantly which right, is a beautiful so, thing go ahead I'm, i don't want to cut you off but i'm agreeing yes with, yeah so um when you when you get to that place uh all you can do is recognize that there is no such thing as crazy that there are i guess we could say everybody has their own truth mm -hmm. and these are not always compatible but in a larger sense i think that it's all true and i'm i recently had this um very powerful dream about three weeks ago um that was like a kind of hub dream 
uh, and I've been having a series of dreams that I feel like they're spokes on the wheel of this of this hub dream and they're all connected and so I started to work on a novel which is like I feel like I was shown a template for what reality is in a sense and how I mean I don't want to say too much about it but it's all about levels of understanding it's all about levels of truth and how they interconnect what the relationships are and so long-winded way of saying that at this point, I just treat everything as information. There's nothing anybody can tell me that I'm going to just discard and say, well, that's ludicrous. I mean, there's. Uh, I recently started creating uh, music connected with all of this. I, I took um, guided meditations and um, a lot of audio from the recordings for all of these books and set it to music mm. and there's a phenomenal one with um, Mary Rodwell uh, where she's talking about the need for um, new schools, new, a new education system to accommodate the starseeds to accommodate these, these children who um have an incredible amount to teach us huh. and we are screwing that up by trying to put, basically uh, medicate the hell out of them and tell them that they're, they're crazy and they've got to stop talking like this and they just need to um, learn the curriculum and that's it. Oh, um, I love it. I love it. I mean, that, I mean, that's a whole thing and people can find that on my SoundCloud channel, which is We Are The Disclosure. Well, I was, was going to say, can we can we steal a link and have that as part of this interview? Because I know now I, everybody, sure. we, we got a lot of Mary Rodwell fans in the audience, so I know they're going to want to hear that, as will I. So yeah. if you can share a link with us, Miguel, that sounds fantastic. And I Certainly, would, I there's, would, there's a bunch of them. There's some. Yeah. There's one by uh, Rob Gothier. Okay. Uh, channeling Aradif, there's one with Lisa Royal Holt channeling uh, Sasha, Pleiadian being. That's but great. just to tidy up that thing about Mary, in the latter part of um, her audio, um, she says that we all we can do is keep uh, compiling the data because we we cannot throw anything out because we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So th right. this is what I've done. This is my attitude. So when no matter what happens to me as an experience, no matter what I'm told by people as their experience, to me, I just file it. I just add it to the story, to the evolving narrative, to the evolving sense that I have of what this is and what it's about. I mean, like I said, it's all about humility and openness. Absolutely. Yeah. And realizing how little we know as we Absolutely. learn more. That's beautifully said. Listen, we're going to take a very, very brief, brief uh, break. <laughs> and when we come back, Miguel, I want to talk about conscious contact versus unconscious contact. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back.
the destination for transformation. All right, everyone, we're back and in the depths of conversation about all things, I don't want to say ET, all things, all things about us and, and our and our universe and consciousness. And Miguel Mendoza is with us and he's sharing some very intimate thoughts and beautifully, uh, beautifully articulated. I want to talk now for a bit, Miguel, about conscious contact. You make that distinction in your book, in your books on several occasions, assuming there is something called unconscious contact, which in and of itself is an interesting bit to contemplate, I would say, unconscious Mm. contact. You know, and maybe I'll say this about that. You know, I've posed, I've actually posed this question, speaking of Mary Rodwell, to her. You know, we're, we're talking about individuals, experiencers that can recall uh, encounters, um, you know, a multitude of them, maybe just one, whatever. But how many do you think that are walking around on this planet are having contact and are not aware of it? I think this is worth going down the, the rabbit hole a little bit on that. I have a, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I have a sense that far more people, what we call, and I hate this term, but we'll say it just for, for, to identify the average Joe, if you will, um, that they could have, this is like the farthest thing from their mind. I mean, their focus is on, you know, uh, the, the normalities of life, you know, the sport and other events and, and, uh, whatever, you know, just normal life. Um, and they may as well be experiencers, but not aware of it. This is a sense I have. What do you think? Um, there are plenty of stories out there in the world of people who um, go for a regression. And in Mary's uh, interview for We Are The Disclosure Part 2, she goes into this, where hmm. a young young chap a friend of her son's um, wants to be regressed because he had this accident. He had a bike accident and he has no clue what happened. So he wants to go and check it out. Right. So you can probably see where this is going. Hmm. Um, He goes to Mary and Mary just leads him through the experience. She just says, okay, so you're going down the road and what are you seeing? What's happening? And so she's, Uh, getting him to kind of go back in there and just pick through it, let it open up, let it evolve, see what, see what is at the end, see if there is some way uh, that he can see what caused the accident. And she said it was one of those real struggles. Um, She had to go in there to start from scratch over and over and over because he kept getting to a certain point and just almost resetting and eventually um he says um something like oh i well i asked him what are you doing now um yeah i've stopped and she said well why have you stopped i said well i'm looking at something okay what are you looking at and he said uh i think it's a spaceship (laughs) and you can imagine you know she's like oh my god here we go um (laughs) And they and they get into it, and he's taken aboard this craft, and um, uh, she says, "Tell me, so what are you seeing now?" And and he says, uh, "Clown shoes." Huh. It's like clown shoes, and she's like, "Okay, um, I want you to look again at those clown shoes, and tell me what you're seeing." And and he's like, um, 
they're not clown shoes anymore <laughs> and uh, it's like okay what are they um their feet and then you know pan up and it's a gray you know it's just a screen memory and so um this is this is just one case right so this mm. guy goes in there wanting to know about a bike accident doesn't have the slightest interest if memory serves in any of this stuff but there he is and I believe this is reported over and over and over really? again. Really? Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Well, you know, here's the thing that I, I, I want to, I guess you would say, for a moment, play devil's advocate for, for the skeptics out there, just to, to try to keep this conversation uh, open. When you think of somebody like a Mary Rodwell, who obviously, she is a regression therapist, and so obviously, obviously she has and probably will continue to regress those who do not have brushes with uh, non-human intelligence uh, once they're regressed. But then again, for those that know that this is the work that she's rooted in, could it be that she, and I want to be careful in saying this because you know how I feel about Mary. I think I know she is 100% authentic. But for those that may be questioning, could it be that if he had gone to another regression therapist who, let's say, is not as rooted in this aspect of the work, that this would have even come out. Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to chuck a couple of things out there because we don't know. We'll never be able to answer that question. But here's the way I'll answer it. Um, so here's two cases. Uh, Bill Brooks, former soldier, um, I think it was a commando uh he co-wrote a book with giant giant summer scales called 44 you'll find it on amazon it's out there and it is out there it is by far the craziest it's like the world heavyweight champion of out there experience of stories and i'll say no more than that um hmm. it is the wildest ride i have ever ever heard of anybody involved in this in this subject area and he knew precisely zero about this until he hit 44 years of age and it all came back to him in instantaneously a lifetime of contact right so there's that there's the instantaneous recall and he had no interest his brother um hmm. his brother as kids um really had a problem with him because bill absolutely did not recognize what his brother was saying when he's saying well you know they keep coming the little men blah 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 um however he phrased it his brother was having conscious contact and and i believe went to his grave um upset that uh bill d never recognized it mm -hmm. never said yeah okay i remember it um but at that point bill had not had the download it didn't come until he was 44 and there are so many details it is just the wildest we'll ride. get a link to that for sure that sounds yeah. like a that sounds like a, a, a great read wow it we... is seriously intense and he's still getting it um i spoke to joanne not long ago um and she said that bill had called her up and said he'd had the closest daytime craft encounter um 
ever of, of his waking life, let's say. And how like, old is he now? How old is he now? He's probably pushing 70 now, I think. Oh, wow. I mean, so, sorry, Bill, if you're younger. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so this has been going on for a long time. I mean, 44, oh we're talking 30, close to 30 years, if, if this yeah, is the I case. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes into everything. It goes into mind control, MKUltra, uh, secret societies, reptilians, Nordics. Mm. It's all there. Um, the consciousness of a serial killer. I mean, and then he served in Northern Ireland. You know, he served in a lot of operations. You know, he still could never talk about. Um, I mean, in when he was in Germany, just honestly read the book. It is... I mean, I've never read stories like this. Mm -hmm. Certainly collected from one guy mm -hmm. who still who still has no interest. I mean, he said it's certainly broadened his mind. It's opened him up in huge ways. But it's not like he's ever had a fascination with the That's subject. Interesting. Well, like, you know, so if I may, bringing us back to the original question of we're talking about unconscious contact and could, be, could there be millions, maybe even billions more that are having unconscious contact than we think. I think the answer is... Quite possibly, I I really do. But in, you're bringing up an interesting point, Miguel, because you're talking about the fact that Bill, although he was obviously interested enough to, to he authored this book, Forty Four, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and yet, in contrast to many of those experiencers that, that feel that they've just started having experiences or recognize that they do, his zeal is still somewhat tempered. Let's just say, to put it mildly, in terms of you know getting to know more about the subject. Where do you think that? comes from and do you think that's common or uncommon that there's no um, interest even after knowing he's had contact well i mean i couldn't speak for him but my sense has always been that he is just a firmly grounded guy i mean he was a soldier you mm -hmm. can't get more grounded than that right right is it denial you think i just don't think he's interested it's just mm. it's not a big deal for him it's, it's not like it, it doesn't define him. Right. It's it's not how he necessarily thinks of himself. He thinks of himself as a musician, you hmm. know, phenomenal guitar player, mm -hmm. you know, as a professional musician. That, that I guess, is his thing. But I want to mention uh, Lynn Buchanan, the remote viewer. Mm -hmm. He, uh, this is detailed in part one of We Are The Disclosure. In fact, he's probably the chapter after you in We Are The Disclosure. Mm -hmm. Um. So, Lynn had a, a a serious problem with OCD. Um, people know him as 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 being one of the main uh, figures in controlled remote viewing. He wrote one of the most amazing books I ever read, The Seventh Sense. Like, if I was only mm -hmm. to keep five books from my whole life that weren't mine, Seventh Sense would be in there. I mean, mm. it's it's absolutely outstanding fascinating and um so i really wanted to get uh lynn interviewed in this because i had heard him mention um contact but i and i wanted to i asked him years ago by email would you write a book on this i want to know about it and he just said no nah, not really interested mm -hmm. and so that's why i wanted to draw him out and and document this um, as best I could um, in the book and mm. Lynn um, so he developed uh, over the course of 
I forget how long, 10 or 20 years, uh, OCD. Um, he, I don't know if he would say it was OCD, but that's what he seemed to be describing to me, that he had a real problem um, leaving the house, like remembering, I've got to do this, 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 and this. And this went on for a long, long time. And one day, I think he said it was a Sunday and he was going to go into work. I think when he was at Fort Meade, Maryland, he was going to go into work. Um, and But he just couldn't leave the house. It was one thing after another. And finally, his wife said, well, did you check the yard? And boom, it all comes back that what happened was um, way back when, um he was a junior pastor or something like that he was um um in religious training mm -hmm. and he and his family were leaving a parsonage and moving to another so he had they packed up everything his wife and uh, son i think had left um and it was just him and in the morning he was just going to close up um uh chuck his sleeping pallet in the back of the u-haul and head off to the new parsonage but he hears a noise in the backyard and then this experience began but this was wiped from his memory this was just erased but in the morning uh he wanted to go out and check the yard but he he didn't know why Right, because this thing happened and he wanted to know what happened, but he didn't know that he wanted to know because he forgot there was anything to know, but it was still subconsciously part of him. And this was manifesting for the next 10 or 20 years. Wow. So uh, he, he then, I think he wanted to, yes, yeah, so when the recall came to him he wanted to know okay did it, where's this coming from is this real did this happen to me so he went to find a uh a, a woman who would do a, reg a regression and he picked her because she didn't believe in ets oh wow right brilliant yes yeah so i mean he's a scientist right so he wanted to uh, be as scientific about this as he could. I mean, he's very scientific in his work. I mean, all his processes, you know, he was a, com a computing engineer, a linguist. Um, so, you know, he, he he knows how to get the job done. He knows how to get the job done right. And so this is how he went about it. But he found the same experience. So, and it's it's all in the book, but one of the, one of the extraordinary things that happened afterwards was um, I think he went to, he was on a base somewhere. He sees an old colleague um, and they say, he says, hi, how are you? What are you up to? And his buddy says, I can't tell you as classified. What are you up to? He says, I can't tell you as classified. <laughs> However, they're, they're in um, a hangar and on the floor of the hangar, there's just a debris everywhere. And uh, <laughs> one piece of the debris uh, Lynn recognizes. And he says in a voice that I'm sure on reflection he would recognize was way too loud. 
he says, oh, wow, isn't that out of a spaceship? Right? And uh, the next thing, he's getting the bums rush. A uh, sergeant or something comes over yelling at him, what the hell's this guy doing in here? Um, then he gets called to a meeting with two men in black. And he said, I have been a man in black. Um, the scenario he's describing is that there are two guys in an office doing an interrogation. You have one guy behind the desk and one guy to the side. I think he said it's always on the least dominant side. Um, and they will just ask you the same questions over and over and over and over and over. And Clifford Stone tells a similar story, but different circumstances in his chapter in part two of We Are the Disclosure. Mm. And that is a nail biter. Um, so uh, in the story, Lynn. Um, so Lynn is being interrogated and and they're talking about this this control panel from a crash craft and uh, at one point Lynn explains how it is operated because he was shown by the beings and the guy who was in the corner whose whole job is to take notes and say Zippo for the entirety of the session suddenly went man so that's how it works hmm Right, and the guy doing the interrogation, uh, Lynn said these these guys are trained to never react to anything. But the guy's ears went beat red with fury, and he said, like within thirty seconds, the interview's over. They left. I'm just sat there. Isn't that something? Right. So Is... there you have several examples of where people have no memory, mm -hmm. no conscious recall that they have had these experiences, but through different uh, triggers, mm -hmm. let's say, these things have become clear to them. Absolutely. Different triggers, different, you know, you said something so poignant a while back, Miguel, when you said, perhaps there are multiple truths. I, I, I don't know if I, I'm perhaps paraphrasing, but multiple experiences, multiple triggers, those that uh, have experiences that may be exuberant and those that may not. That's okay. It's, it's, that's what I call the, the individual journey, and it's beautiful. You know, we only have a few minutes left, uh, but I want to I, I end our talk today with yet another powerful quote from the conclusion of your book. And I have a feeling many listening, I'm not going to assume many, but quite a few listening, will relate to what I'm about to quote you as saying here. You say, quote, humans have always, this is you talking, humans have always seemed like a foreign species to me. I struggle to comprehend the sense of separateness, the greed, the hard-heartedness, the conflict, the willful environmental destruction, and the apparent inability to identify and solve fundamental problems, end quote. All I can say is, wow, I appreciate your candor, Miguel, that you shared uh, in, in, with that sentiment. Let's talk about this just for a little bit as we close out. This is a strong admittance on your part. And yet, I'll tell you, you're not the first person I've heard articulate a sentiment like this. Yeah, well, how could I not? Um, I, I just interviewed 37 people who have spilled it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that 
you know and I know um, is is off the record mm-hmm. and in that there is there is I think often even more challenging material that we're not ready to talk about but for myself my my concern is it's many things but truth I believe is is uh, a fundamental component of whatever I'm here for and so I could not um, I just could not keep this to myself I could not pretend that I am the person that began this journey two years ago mm-hmm. um, that would not make any sense nobody would buy it if I said I did all of this and nothing happened there was zero cerebral event zero uh, emotional response like nothing happened I just um, typed up the interviews published the books job done that it just doesn't work like that every single thing that we experience changes us yeah if the you things are, that yeah even you, things we're completely unaware of right if you allow it to and I think that's part of the the, the, the walk of wisdom, I would say, because every experience it, it would seem could change, should change us or has the opportunity to change us. But there are people that have experiences that refuse to relent. Um, and so I hope that in, in the act of having discussions like this, maybe one or two of those people will be listening and ha- who have had experiences and say, you know, let me allow this to, um, it's not just change, but let me allow this in to my global experience and mm. um, because it is all about evolution. Well, I appreciate um, your candor. I really do. This has been um, a powerful discussion, heartfelt from you, my friend. I want to take this opportunity to thank you so, so much, particularly last minute. You, you know, you and I chat all the time. So mm. I had a feeling you were going to take me up on my offer, but I am greatly appreciative to you. And I am also appreciative to each and every one of you out there that listen to Higher Journeys and Higher Journeys Radio. I have a special request uh, as we conclude this particular episode. I'm reaching out to those of you who are listening that may be relating to much of what Miguel had to say. I want to hear from you. Do you feel you're an experiencer? Have you had contact? Do you think you have? And if so, how are you dealing with it? How are you coping? How has it affected your world? I'm going to be doing a show. I'm really excited about this in the not too distant future where I would like to hear directly from you. I'd like to have you on the show if you'd be willing to share some of your experience with the rest of our audience. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come on over to our Facebook page, which is simply facebook.com forward slash higher journeys. And you can either comment on the post that will accompany this interview, or you can private message me. And let me know if you'd like to come on and share your experiences with the higher journeys audience. You know, it's time to hear from more of you because I have a feeling that there are a lot of stories. And as a matter of fact, I do. I do hear from you. I do get messages from you. But I think I I would like to expose your stories if you are willing to a broader audience. and for those who feel their experiences are paramount to, to your life and to the quality of your life, tell me what it is you would like to share. This is all about caring and sharing and making that shift into the larger family of consciousness. And uh, I think it's time we all start doing a little bit more talking. So with that, Miguel, uh, 
I'm I'm greatly appreciative. And I think you've tantalized the audience enough where they're not only going to want to run out and get being with the beings, the how and why of ET contact. But if they haven't already, you got to go out and get We Are the Disclosure Part 1 and 2. Tell us where we can get these books. First, tell me, how long has Being with the Beings been out? Um, where are we now? March, April, May, June. I think it's, um, yeah, just coming up to three months. Okay, so still, I would say, pretty much hot off the presses. And I know it's been getting mm-hmm. some great reviews. So we'll obviously make sure to have a link. Um, I'm assuming you can get it from Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah, it's on Amazon. I think all my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's actually, if people go to wearethedisclosure.com, okay. um, there's a section where you can find the books and you, there's ordering sections. So I've put all the links for all the books to all the international sellers as well if people want to find them there and the ebooks um are all available through um uh through amazon the kindle store um it's all out there and i also want to say to people to the experiences that um if i've learned one thing it's that this is this is global this is happening to so many people i hear from so many people from all over and they just want to tell a story they just want to say, I heard an interview or I read the book and this resonated so much. I couldn't believe this was happening to somebody else, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there really is a community beginning to form. And I'm doing some work with some people at the moment, which I'm going to, uh, Alexis, I'm going to hook you up um, with some people to come on and talk about this community building project. Um, mm, that'd that be great. have in... Uh, in prospect because I feel like now is the time for people to really recognize this and connect with more people to to because the disclosure we are the disclosure hmm. it's all of us being willing to connect to share to explore this together I really think that that is what it is all about I agree I concur and with that said Miguel Mendoza I love saying your name, Miguel Mendoza. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thank <laughs> you so much. Take care now. And take care, everyone. We'll talk to you real soon. Brilliant, brutally honest, and beautifully humble. That's how I would describe Miguel Mendoza. His work represents a plea for humanity to open up, wake up, and prepare to join the greater spectrum of intelligent life that appears to be all around us, whether visible or invisible, forgotten or remembered. It's a great honor to know a man who I feel truly walks his talk and isn't afraid to admit that the more he learns, the more he realizes how little he knows. But I have a feeling that won't deter his quest to continue the exploration to understand the true nature of reality. Be sure to visit Miguel's website, wearethedisclosure.com, to gain access to all of his great works, including Meet the Hybrids, We Are the Disclosure, Volumes 1 and 2, and his latest, Being with the Beings. I thank you, as always, for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks. (laughs) 